Hello and welcome back. In this episode, I sit down with my friend Topaz Navarro. Topaz has been a member of the Special Forces community for over 15 years. He is also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and the founder and executive director of the nonprofit organization Work Play Obsession All In Foundation. During our discussion, we talk about the formation and growth of his nonprofit, as well as take a brief look at some of the science behind achieving peak performance in the flow state. All right. I'm here with Topaz Navarro. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you. Pretty good. Uh, for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, uh, man, I don't know where to begin. That's a pretty, pretty Start. fun question. Who are you? Okay. So, uh, first, uh, I'm a father of three wonderful children. Uh, I will start with, start there. Usually people end with that and they say, oh, and I'm a father. So I'm going to mm-hmm. start there. Um, but, uh, so I'm active duty army. I have, uh, 25 years in right now. Uh, 20 of those years within the special operations community. So that, that's been fun. A lot of, uh, deployments and, and fun training that I've been fortunate enough to do. Um, founder and executive director of a nonprofit, um, uh, Workplay Obsession All In Foundation. So we provide recreational activities for uh, veterans and their uh, spouses, dependents, caregivers um, to help heal the wounds of trauma, you know, physical or, or mental. Um, I'm also um, a. Uh, let me let me figure out how I want to want to word this because I don't want to dive down a rabbit hole and steal the whole time talking about uh, uh, peak performance and flow coach. Um, so I just started a, a coaching uh, academy. It's Escape Velocity Academy, um, where we teach uh, peak performance and flow coaching, how to be your best and, and, and perform your best in order to achieve your what other people will call impossible. So that's where my heart is right now. But um, yeah, that's that's me. All right. Well, it's, you know, that's why I like to ask people to tell us about them because it's like, where do you, what do you see yourself as? So you yeah. started with father. And... Yeah. Actually, you know, it's, it's, that's a really great point you made there because um, had I, had I uh, allowed you to write something up, I'm sure you would have said something about a jiu-jitsu black belt. And now I just realized that I didn't mention it at all. Yeah. And, um, and there's a reason for that um, because that's not, I don't see that as my identity. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that, I just thought about that when you said that. And yes, I am a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well. And you work with combatives too, right? You do oh, yeah. Army combatives. Absolutely, yeah. I, Modern Army Combatives Program. Shout out to Matt, Matt Larson uh, and, and Colton Smith, who is uh, uh, my coach, my instructor. Uh, I got my black belt from Colton. So, um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So. so, I guess we'll just start uh, early on. Why did you join the military? <laughs> Wow, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, no one's ever asked me that on a podcast okay. before, so that's, that's awesome. Um, I joined because I didn't want to be at home anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, initially, I joined the, the New Jersey National Guard. So I'm from New Jersey. Um, I was going to go to college for uh, soccer and academics. Um, I had a half and half scholarship. It was half and half, half soccer, half academic. I joined the National Guard. I went to basic training. I, I went home. And I was living with my parents, and I realized I didn't want to live with my parents. So I said, you know what? I enjoyed basic training, uh, so I'm going to join the Army full-time. And that's what I did. Mm. And so 25 years later, here you are. What, what have you done in the military? Oh, man. I've done, uh, I've done a lot. I've done a lot. Um, that doesn't say much, but um, 
really my, my biggest thing, you know, not to go into operational deployments and training and things like that. Um, the biggest thing for me has been um, really connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the Army has given me. The, the Army has given me uh, social interaction, meeting people from essentially all over the world, um, understanding, having gratitude for, for what it means to have a lot of the things we have here in this country. Um, and then on the combative side, having the, uh, we call it the willingness to close with the enemy, mm-hmm. but knowing when to do that and having the self-awareness of when you don't have to do that, when you have the choice to walk away, right? There's a gap between stimulus and response. And, and, and the decision we make within that gap determines you know, everything else in our life. Mm. So that's a rephrasing of some uh, Victor Frankl, but he says there's a space. Uh, actually, I might have said it on my podcast, but um, those are my key things from, from the Army. Mm-hmm. Not even the deployments or the skills or the accolades. So I'll go on a tangent for a second, right? When I talk about coaching, I talk about uh, first mountain principles and second mountain principles, right? The Army has fulfilled all of my first mountain principles, right? So you talk about marriage, kids, promotions, awards, uh, house, car, resume virtues. The Army has given me all of those. And now as I transition, I'm in pursuit of second mountain principles, right? Um, legacy before currency. What are we leaving behind? So that's where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Army set me up very well for that pursuit or that endeavor. Uh, long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> you know, uh, something you mentioned that I've heard you mention before just in our conversations is uh, the idea of being connected to people and togetherness. And that's something I kind of see as I watch you grow your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So why is that so important to you? And why are you, because, and I've heard other vets talk about this, uh, how difficult it was to exit the military mm-hmm. uh, and how you kind of exit a social group almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the value, the value and the importance of team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in flow science, right, it's, it's called group flow. You know, the ability to... Um, be completely uh, immersed in an activity and everything else kind of disappears, right? Time distortion, uh, total uh, intrinsic motivation to what you guys are working on. And team is team is everything, right? Um, when you look at it from the operational context, um, the person on your left and your right, you know, maybe the person who, who saves your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they're the people you rely on and they become your family when your family's not there, you know? So going back to first mountain, second mountain principles, right? You, you descend this first mountain and your team doesn't come with you, you know? So you travel into this, what we call the valley of despair, right? Um, alone, um, not really sure where you're headed, right? So that's why the nonprofit, are, we're striving to be a community for those people and say, hey, we're here, we understand, you're not alone. Um, and as much as we tend to think that the general public understands the military experience, honestly, they, they don't. There's something so unique to the mm. experience, to the bond, um, that even on your, even reflecting on the worst day in the army, it will still bring a smile to your face. 
because you didn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And there was a bond built through that experience, right? So that's why it's so important to me to try to recreate that community for people who transition. Yeah. Super important. Is that a struggle that you faced? I mean, you're pre you're preparing to leave the military, correct? Yeah, I'm transitioning now, so I'm kind of fortunate. I'm fortunate. Um, I have an immense amount of gratitude for the people I have in my life right now. Mm -hmm. um, Jiu-Jitsu provided a very uh, strong community for me. Um, the nonprofit community is 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 fabulous. Um, a really great community. Um, the coaching community. Uh, is it is a really really interesting and supportive community and when I talk about coaching I don't talk about it from the athletic aspect um, we've talked about this before I talk about it as um, positive psychology coaching cognitive behavioral coaching um, solution focused coaching like there are people there that they will give all of themselves you know and they are so supportive that community is um, I'm new to that community so it's very, very, very interesting, but very supportive. So I do have these, and of course I have family, right? Mm -hmm. And I have friends that are here too. Um, friends that, what they, it's funny what they say about like, almost like a traditional job with the military, right? Once you're gone, someone else is gonna take that position, Yeah. right? So it's like, hey, you can't continue to sacrifice family, uh, interpersonal relationships um, for that job, right? Because when the army is gone, then what do you have, mm -hmm. right? So um, I've been fortunate enough to kind of focus on that early um, and tell myself that I need to try to build something like that for other people, or at least coach that into people mm -hmm. and, and let them realize, right? It's, it's eliciting this necessity for them and letting them come to that conclusion, which is what coaching is, tr is truly all about, eliciting positive change, you know? So, yeah. So as a coach, are you going to focus uh, specifically on... Uh, veterans or so my, my coaching is escape velocity Academy uh, and I say escape velocity is fueled within it's with hyphen in mm -hmm. so I break that down as intrinsic intrinsic motivation so being motivated for the sheer act for doing it not so people don't understand intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation not doing it for like money or well well m money fame things like that that's extrinsically motivated or punishment right so Intrinsic motivation, interpersonal relationships, uh, intelligence, meaning lifelong learning, uh, investment, so investing in yourself so you can invest in others, and uh, inspiration, so mm -hmm. inspiring others, and breath work, which we just talked about, both of those forms of inspiration. So escape velocity is fueled within. Um, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching for anyone. Uh, I have peak performance coaching for athletes, and then I have career transition programming, which is an eight-week program for anyone who's transitioning from the military or uh, has already transitioned. Mm. And then we take them back through curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, mastery, right? That is the recipe uh, that's taught through the Flow Research Collective. So I'm my, by train and trading, I'm with the Flow Research Collective. Uh, Stephen Kotler is the executive director, the author of Rise of Superman. Um, he's got numerous books. Rise of Superman is, is one, uh, Art of Impossible, um, it's got a couple other ones, but um, curiosity, interest, passion, purpose, right? Autonomy, mastery. People don't really look at those things, and that's why we coach. We start there with mindset and motivation as well, but that's kind of where I start. 
Mm -hmm. So what do you find most people are motivated by? Do you find, do you find people struggle to, to truly understand what their actual motivation is to do a thing? Um, it depends, right? That's, that's a big answer for that you hear a lot nowadays. It depends. Um, I think if you were to sit down and have a, uh, an in-depth conversation with them, mm -hmm. right? Um, you would get to the root of what that motivation is. For some people, it is extrinsic motivation. It is money, right? It is influencer status on social media. But there are a lot of people that are truly uh, motivated, uh, intrinsically motivated, you know, um, and they're, they're, they're good spirited, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, it really, it depends. You know, I, I know both. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you that I, I know both. <laughs> <laughs> So what's kind of been the biggest challenge of starting a nonprofit? Wow. Um, there are a few things, right? So you need a board of directors. Mm -hmm. And no matter how passionate you are about your cause, um, it's difficult to find a, bo a board of directors that's going to be as passionate as you are, mm -hmm. right? At least at, at first when you're starting out, right? You're going to have people that that care about it as well, and people that want to support you, so they'll they'll be there, um, and they'll volunteer and do the time. But you know, and I'm actually I'm on the uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness of Howard County. I'm on their board as well, and and you can identify people that are that are all in, you know, and people that are halfway in, you know, like their, their toes dipping in the water. Yeah. Know? Um. So that's difficult, one, is finding people there, right? Two is always money, right? Fundraising is, is not easy. You know, it's a challenge for me, uh, fundraising. Um, those are the big two. The legal part of it is easy. Yeah. You know, as long as you have the money to pay LegalZoom or somebody like that <laughs> to do it, you're good to go, you know. Um, Maryland Nonprofits um, has a really great uh, counsel, mm -hmm. um, uh, Patty, Patty Morton. She helped me out with our stuff, and she's phenomenal. And it was much easier to, to work with her than to work with a generic uh, company that's out there. So I think those are the two biggest hurdles that, that we dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, what is NAMI again? The National? National Alliance of Mental Illness. Okay. Yeah. So they're, NAMI's the, the nation's largest grassroots organization for families, and, and, and I will say, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Consumers. So for families and consumers of, of mental health resources. Mm -hmm. um, so they have a national chapter, then they have in several states, and then uh, you have several counties have one as well. So Howard County has one, uh, Anne Arundel County has one. There may be one in Carroll County, I'm not sure, but I, I know that Howard County, obviously because I live here, um, I sit on their board. Mm -hmm. So... Very active, yep. Now, do they track trends? Um, yes, so I actually sit on the public policy committee mm -hmm. um, as well, and they track trends. We write letters to legislation here at the state. Um, Advocacy Day was two months ago. We go, we used to be in person where you would go to Annapolis and get time with your legislation for your district and and advocate for, advocate for, uh, um, items that are high on NAMI's agenda. Um, right now, um, some of the big stuff they're looking at is um, um, interceding 
with uh, mental health crisis and the prison system. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big one on, on NAMI's radar for a while, uh, getting uh, into the school system a little bit more too, although most of NAMI stuff is, is adult based, mm-hmm. um, but they are looking at that as well. So yeah. What type of resources does Howard County have for people with mental illnesses? Because, um, so I'm really just I, I'm really just uh, working with with NAMI, you know. But you have uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is mm-hmm. here. You know, obviously they have arms r- across the country. Um, um, I want to say it's uh, Horizon Foundation is over there next to Atholton. Um, they do a lot of great work. Um, they're another grassroots organization that works with with mental illness, um, but NAMI is really where um, I'm focused. So NAMI provides numerous support groups. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, family to family, you have peer to peer, you have uh, the veterans uh, peer support group. So I'm a facilitator for that as well, um, and we meet. Uh, some meet twice a month. We meet once a month. Um, and we do support groups, you know, hour long, hour and a half long support groups. Um, they have classes that run throughout the month. Um, family to family is a really big one for them. Um, so it's actually family members led mm-hmm. uh, for families who have uh, a dependent, or brother, sister, grandmother, grandfather, spouse, whatever, uh, who has a mental health related condition um, and, and a few other things. So they just revamped the website. So. Uh, NAMI Howard County, go ahead and Google that. Um, mm-hmm. The website's uh, is awesome. Actually, I don't know if it's launched yet. I reviewed what will be the final one, so hopefully it has launched, but the, that version is, is, is very nice. Okay. What are some of the, the key issues that, or not key issues, yeah, well, key issues, some of the, like the most common issues that veterans talk about in your support group? Like, what is the, is there, is there one or two issues that are just kind of across the board for people in that situation? Um, it's what we talked about earlier, sense of community. Mm-hmm. Yep, sense of community is, is, will come up um, no matter where you are, right? It doesn't have to be a NAMI uh, support group. It can be uh, at jiu-jitsu or at a bar or at a park, right? You yeah. get a group of veterans together, they're going to talk about how they miss the community, mm-hmm. um, right? It's not to be confused with wanting to still be in the military, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> right, it's to have that community uh, of support that was there. So I think that is the, that would be number one. And then number two is going to be something that's VA related, VA <laughs> and disability related. Like uh, I'm not in that world yet. So um, I'm not well versed on it and I haven't really had to deal with it, but I hear it a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I spend uh, a decent amount of time on Clubhouse. Um, I also have a Clubhouse room, Escape Velocity on Clubhouse. <laughs> Shameless plug. They go for it. Um, but that is one of the mo- more common things I hear is VA disability, whether it's ratings or getting paid, um, and then uh, mixed in with the sense of community, mm-hmm. which Clubhouse does a great job of creating a free, open forum for veterans to connect across the across the world. Yeah, you know, and have these conversations. So, mm. I'm a huge Clubhouse fan. So, <laughs> I tried it. <laughs> oh, I tried it once. I was like, oh. uh, what are some of the, the best resources out there for veterans? Like, where can, like, I don't know, if you were in that situation, like, once you leave, where are you going to find that sense of community? Uh, if you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially trying to create it, right? Yeah. So, 
um, building it for yourself. Yeah, but I mean that's not for everybody, right? So um, the the challenge is not that these communities don't exist. The challenge is finding them because mm-hmm. they're. One thing I realized when I started this nonprofit is how many other nonprofits there were and how many that were similar to what I was doing. And I was like, man, I never heard of these. But because uh, it's almost like I tell people the reticular, reticular activation system, right? Mm. Like you buy a red car and now you see red cars everywhere because your brain is, rec- is looking for that, right? Yeah. RAS. It's the same thing. I started this nonprofit, and then I began to look at nonprofits all the time. And I'm like, man, that one does stand-up paddleboarding. That one does farming. Mm-hmm. That one does jujitsu. I'm like, they're everywhere. How come I didn't know about this? And it's, uh, the brain, the brain likes to, to, to. The brain's lazy, right? It's an energy hog, and it likes repetition, and it doesn't like to look for things it doesn't need to. Yeah. So until I, you tell it you're looking for this. It's not on the radar, man. So they're out there. And even if people just come to us and say, hey, I live in, I don't know, uh, Utah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything out here for me? I would like to just help them try to find it. Yeah. You know, or what COVID has shown us is that we can do a lot of things virtually. It's not the same, but mm-hmm. at least it will provide a connection until we can find them something where they can be physically present. So, yeah. Since, the, uh, since COVID started, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Has NAMI, I mean, are there, is there an increase in uh, people seeking uh, assistance for mental health issues or an uptick in? Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting, right? Um, Because the challenge of doing these meetings virtually, right? That's the struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if there was a way to do it safely in person, I think the numbers would have probably doubled or tripled. But people are just really exhausted of being tethered to the computer mm-hmm. right um, and even sometimes with our meetings people are interested in being there but they just don't want to be on the computer you know but yes the numbers have have gone up as far as people searching for resources um, maybe not attending all the meetings because it's more difficult but we have seen an uptick in numbers of people looking for resources mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I imagine it's tough uh, if you already feel lonely to be then stuck in your house mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, I'm hey. lucky enough to still... Get, I, I went to work every day. I never had to stop going to work, so I always had uh, that, at least. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a problem when the, when they first coined the term social distancing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, no, 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 you don't have to be socially distant. It's physical distancing, yeah. you know. And, 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 and the message started to change over time when people realized what they were actually saying. And we still say social distancing now, but when you put that thought into people's minds, you, you forget about other people that, I mean, we all need social support. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, man, we got to be physically distant, but not socially. So that was a big thing for, for COVID, you know. Okay. Yeah, I hope it ends soon. I hope it uh, can be done with that. Um, so I want to kind of shift gears, and I want to talk about uh, workplace obsession. Yeah. Before it was workplace obsession, the All In Foundation, and yeah. just kind of maybe take us through the lifespan of that. Back when it was Life a podcast, yes, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's really interesting. Uh, workplace obsession, life in jujitsu. So let's go back a little bit, right? So even if you go to the the symbol, right, the the workplace obsession logo, right, it's a throwback to my first organization, which is the First Armor Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, first Armor Division has has the same triangle, the same red, yellow, and blue. 
Um, that was my first Army unit. And even in our logo, it said, for the Army, it said Old Ironsides on the bottom where mine says Jiu-Jitsu down there. Just a throwback. I started uh, the podcast and the photography because I had my own bout of depression. Um, I've had multiple knee surgeries. Um, I couldn't train at the time, so I couldn't train, so I started doing photos. Right, and then photos. I was like, "Oh, let me do a podcast." And mm-hmm. then the pause. So then it is, that's how it kind of all developed. And it was, I work play obsession. Even the name itself. I started doing jujitsu or combatives at work, right? Mm-hmm. And then I took it outside of work and began to play with it, and it became more time. And then it became an obsession. So that's where it was work play obsession. That's oh. kind of my general crawl walk run through mm-hmm. through jujitsu slash combatives. Um, the podcast itself was fun, you know. Um, we were doing video podcasts with JP. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, but my 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 challenge became uh, I kind of pigeonholed myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had this conversation with a friend. I was like, I feel like I feel like I've elevated. This is going to sound arrogant, but I don't want it to. I feel like I've ele- elevated beyond jujitsu. Mm. beyond jiu-jitsu at its state right now as it stands i'm actually working on a podcast titled jiu-jitsu has failed society Mm. right this is going to be one of my uh podcasts in the future for escape velocity and i call it yeah jiu-jitsu has failed society because those of us who do it recognize the power that jiu-jitsu has and i'm not talking from a self-defense perspective i'm talking about ego i'm talking about social interaction i'm talking about uh building community I'm talking about uh, having people focus on fitness and nutrition, all these great things. But the jiu-jitsu community is still stuck on leg locks versus no leg locks, mm-hmm. self-defense versus sport, gi versus no gi. It's like, guys, in the grand, in the grand scheme of things, man, let's go higher than that. You know. So for me, I had to walk away from creating that podcast because it was too connected to jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Right? I was ju- ju- uh, interviewing jiu-jitsu black belts almost all the time is where I was pigeonholed into that arena. Or interviewing MMA fighters, which I, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun. And it helped me at the time. But it feels like jiu-jitsu is not evolving, right? From a, from a higher level, mm-hmm. right? With great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. Yeah. And I feel like we're, we're missing. We're missing that. And people that can be training and reaping the benefits aren't because they only see grappling, podiums, oh, medals, mm-hmm. like the things that are extrinsically motivating. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's kind of what happened with that podcast. That's why I started uh, Escape Velocity, where we're focused more on the process, right? We've talked about the process before um, as it breaks down as an acronym. And feeling your best mm-hmm. and performing your best and achieving your ultimate goals, you know, and that's what I'm focused on now. So. Yeah. No, I definitely see what you mean about jujitsu uh, failing society, but um, I don't know if it's because we put people when they get into jujitsu, they put it up on a pedestal like, oh, this thing is, is fa- fantastic because you do it. It engages you physically, uh, socially, and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people just want to dive into it and they want to get in better shape, they want to start eating a little bit better, and then, you know, you do, you meet, I mean, I meet, met most of my friends in this area from jujitsu, and then, 
I don't know, I'm 31, so it's like, how long am I going to try to do this twice a day, four days a week or whatever? And, you know, where do we go from here? At some point, it's just going to be a social thing for me. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be something I do and I enjoy doing, but it's not going to be as much of a lifestyle, maybe. No, I mean, I actually brought out my, my notebook, excuse me, because I talk about this obsession, right? And I, I have this here, right? There, when I read this, it kind of it really resonated with me, right? There, we have to recognize there are two types of passion, mm-hmm. right? There's harmonious passion and there's obsessive passion, right? Jiu-Jitsu definitely, a lot of the people start to veer towards the obsessive passion. So let me break that down. Um, and I have it written here because I couldn't really remember it. So when you look at harmonious passion, you're looking at an activity we adore and feel pleased both throughout the activity and once we complete it. That's harmonious passion, mm-hmm. right? Vice, obsessive passion, where it's an overwhelming desire to participate in the endeavor. It triggers pressure. One feels compelled to continue to participate in the activity and can't seem to pull themselves out of it. Yeah. This is what happened during COVID, right? If you open up the social media highlight reel, you see all these people that are like, I, I can't do jujitsu. I'm going crazy. I can't do jujitsu. I'm going to punch somebody. I can't. And they're like, relax, relax. Take a deep breath. Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Go for a run. Listen, like, there are thousands people, I can't do that. That doesn't work for me. I can't do that. That doesn't work for me. Okay, that's a fixed mindset, first of all. But it's this obsessive passion, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that was another thing for me that I was like, hey, man, this is just too much. I was like, my, my, I, I enjoyed doing it. But it was, it's no longer, it was an obsessive passion for me at one point. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that. You know, I had that period too, but now I have a comfort and a harmonious passion with jujitsu and COVID really exposed that for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think injuries do too. Like when you, if you get absolutely and you have to take a month off, you know, and then you start for me, it's like, I take a month off. I have to start spending more time with my wife and it's like, not I have to, but (laughs) it's like, oh, there's a life outside of the gym and off the mats. And it's like, it's actually kind of enjoyable. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I had a lot of time to fill. But I want to take that to, uh, because a lot of people say about jujitsu and maybe other sports too, like running, like, oh, that's my therapy. Mm -hmm. That's my, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, that's what helps me with my mental health issues. Sure. But I wonder if that's just holding a place, you know, like, is it really therapy? Are we really solving an issue or are we just covering it with a bandaid while we're there? Yeah. And that's where coaching comes in. Right. So um, for me, running is and we talked about this earlier it is is a flow activity for me no doubt but if i sit down and you were to coach me through a session and ask me thought-provoking questions we'd figure out that that's not the only thing you can do to meet those things mm-hmm. sure that's where you are now and you think that but if you sit down with a coach who's really going to elicit positive change you will find out that there are other things that you can do that you have to choose to do. But mm-hmm. if you don't have to make that choice, then that, that's fine. Stick with it. <clears throat> but you're absolutely right. We saw that during COVID where people were like, it's the only thing I can do. I've tried everything. Yeah. And you're like, okay, right? So um, I get that, you know, and, 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 and when they, I'm glad that they have that and they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we have to be careful. You know, we have to be careful with that. So Yeah. Well, and then eventually if you get, you know, once you age out of something where you can go as hard as you used to, you know. Yeah, I mean, you have to have, 
that's when you have to recognize a harmonious passion versus an obsessive passion, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're like, hey, I'm, I, I'm completely setting the ego aside, right? Which I, I hate saying that because when I hear it, I know people are, Lying. most people are full of shit <laughs> when they say it. But yeah, I, <laughs> I put ego aside. Yes, I pay extra for private lessons so that I can be better than other people <laughs> in class. Yeah. And you're like, well, then that's ego. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you will find that you have to do it for the pure joy of it. It yeah. has to become intri intrinsically motivated event, you know, truly. Because if it's not, then then the passions, then you're gonna you're not gonna have happiness from it because you're not gonna be winning. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So. Well, I'm, yeah, that's a problem. I don't like losing. So. <laughs> um, so you've said this a couple times. I know we talked about it earlier, but just for everyone listening, what is flow coaching? And what is flow state? Yeah, I mean, uh, flow is awesome, man. I, I will start with uh, a couple of resources before I get into it. So you you obviously have flow written by Mihail Csikszentmihalyi, who's the godfather of flow, uh, otherwise known as Peak Experiences. Um, and then you have the Flow Research Collective, which is where I get my training from. Uh, Stephen Kotler is the executive director, uh, a bunch of great coaches in there. Um, and we study flow and flow states and the neuroscience uh, side of flow. So flow is... Uh, um, um, a state of being where you feel your best and perform your best. Mm. Um, some people know it as being in the zone. Some people call it runner's high. Um, like I said, it was uh, explained as peak experiences. Um, and it's just an ultimate state, right, where you, where you meet the challenge skills balance. You, flow in, you find this, this flow channel. Um, sense of time distorts. So it could be time could speed up, time could slow down. Um, your perception of risk actually goes down. So when you think of uh, big mountain skiers, surfers, mountain climbers, we're like, man, that guy's doing some risky shit. Um, from a, for the nerds out there, the prefrontal cortex kind of shuts down parts mm -hmm. of it. And um, that's what reduces that sense of risk. Um, we talked about the neurochemistry, so there are five feel-good chemicals that are released. I won't go into those because I will show my lack of knowledge in neurochemistry. <laughs> but... Um, you could say anything you want. I don't think most people, you could, you could make up some words and they'd be like, oh, they have those five. I know those five. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, flow is, most people will recognize flow as, um, you know, when they were doing something and they just perform their best at doing it and mm -hmm. they don't know why. You know, if you guys have ever seen, um, I'm forgetting the name of the movie right now, the cartoon that just came out on Disney with the jazz player. Oh, Soul. Soul. Demi so Lovato they, they talk about flow. About they talk about flow in soul. Yeah. Actually, not to ruin the movie, but he has to get into a flow state to get back. Did you watch the movie? No. Oh. So we should have said spoiler alerts. But. You have to watch it. <laughs> you have to watch it. They, they talk about flow in the movie, and it's so awesome for us flow junkies. Not flow junkies, for our flow nerds. Flow junkies the other side, right? Which is just as dangerous as uh, having limited flow as being so obsessed with getting into flow that you will risk uh, doing things um, that are unsafe or uh, not really good practices. But I went on this long tangent, but um, flow is the ultimate state of consciousness where you feel your best and perform your best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, do, how does a flow coach coach somebody to get to that state? So we start with mindset and motivation, mm -hmm. right? Um, we talked about uh, growth mindset, fixed mindset, internal locus of control, external locus of control. We talk about... Uh, values, uh, values is really big. We talk about curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, and mastery. It always starts with curiosity. 
um, and especially when we talk about career transition, we take people to back to what are you what are you curious about, you know, and we lose that childlike sense of curiosity as we get older, and and that's where a lot of people begin to lose their sense of joy, right? Um, so there are those things are huge. Um, a little bit of positive psychology in there. Uh, there's uh, there are flow triggers. There are, so they say twenty two triggers the flow. We won't go into those, but there are definitely flow triggers. Um, and there's a flow cycle, you know. So it's really. I mean, if you guys really want to deep dive some flow, obviously you can go to my website, escapevelocityacademy.com. Um, we have a free discovery session is what I call it, a 30 minute one-on-one session. And we walk through mindset, motivation, uh, locus of control, uh, and have, we have some assessments that we can do so you can find out where you are um, in those areas. And then we talk about the, the, the famous uh, uh, grow model. You know, I call it growth because I add in tactics and ha- tactics and habits when we talk about goal setting, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you have to have clear goals, you know, to get into flow. Um, flow follows focus and attention, and you have to have identified clear goals and be working towards those clear goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I were to come to a coaching session and say, you know, Topaz, help me, I want to enter a flow state when I do jujitsu, like. Or, you know, every time I roll, <laughs> that, that, every that, time I That would roll. be pretty interesting. I mean, there's so much to deep dive on that, right? Like, we'd have to go all the way back mm-hmm. to, like I said, mindset and motivation, right? I want to win. <laughs> I want to win every role at training, <laughs> at Worlds. Yeah. So we'd have to go back to that, you know, and it's, it's going to be um, a deliberate process, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it would be a lot to unpack right now so okay and it wouldn't be free i can't give you guys not just no, kidding i mean <laughs> hey you know <laughs> no, i'm just messing you gotta messing. gotta make your money so is it just something that i'm trying to understand uh somebody wants to get into a flow state but is it during a specific time or is it just no it's not time like, right your whole your whole your whole lifestyle right um, has to be, I'll use the word in, in alignment, but I don't want to make it seem like it's something that's impossible, right? Um, there are, to be able to have focus, right? There's a lot of other things you need to eliminate or align mm-hmm. so that you're primed for, uh, for flow states, right? If you look at... Um, Let's go back to rock climbers again, right? Mountain climbers, excuse me. All the things they're doing leading up to that event, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So just to go back for a second, right? Um, They will say, the people will say all, but I'll say the majority of peak performers all have coaches. Mm -hmm. You may not see it, but they have performance coaches, right? We will go out and get a coach to help us work out for our body, but people don't tend to not seek out a coach for their mental performance or peak performance, right? So they're not doing this on their own and you're not seeing it, but all the small things that they're doing behind the scenes Mm -hmm. are aligned towards that peak performance, right? So whether it's the food they're eating, whether it's their schedule, whether it's asynchronous communication, whether it's um, um, liberating time by eliminating other things, 
right? These are all things that you have to talk about and discuss with your coach, mm-hmm. right? Steven Kyler, people always ask him when he's on chat rooms or, or uh, conferences or something like that. People are like, what are the three things I can do to help me get into flow? Or what are the three hacks I can do so I can get oh. into flow more often? He's like, that's bullshit. He won't even, he's like, he doesn't even answer the question. Like, he's like, there's no answer that's like that. Mm-hmm. You know, personality doesn't scale. For one, I love telling people that personality doesn't scale. What does it mean? So, what works for me may not work for you. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to experiences, how I grew up, genetics, what my mindset is, what mm-hmm. my motivators are. All of those things contribute to my performance. So, just because I ate two donuts and I ran the best two mile of my life, I'm not going to go around and tell everyone, "Hey, if you eat donuts, you're going to run the best two miles of your time." Yeah. Personality does not scale, and that is my problem with like people that regurgitate motivational speakers mm-hmm. or people that regurgitate, hey, this was the, this one thing worked for me, so this is what you need to do, which is what you see a lot in the influencer world or on social media. Personality does not scale. Flow science is evidence-based science. It's based on evolution, right? So if you look at uh, evolution, right, you had fight or flight or freeze or You could get collaborative, get creative, get innovative, and you create something new. Mm -hmm. That's where flow came from, Mm -hmm. right? So it's evolutionary. The people that could not get in the flow and collaborate, be innovative, work together, create something new. Let me, uh, I gotta, I gotta. Yeah, is that that, uh, going? It is. My wonderful shirt. I can't stop hearing. (laughs) No, it's just, it's the mic is rubbing against the cord there. So that, that's essentially um, how, it, how it kind of evolved, mm-hmm. right? So um, everyone has a potential to uh, repeatedly get into flow states, mm-hmm. you know? And I forgot what the question was because I started talking. And then the, as, and as, I, I was in flow, and then I lost my focus when you started moving the cord, I and I dropped, so right, I dropped I right out. I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> but I think uh, it sounds to me, my interpretation of it is that... Uh, Microflow, micro by the way, micro. Micro, uh, yeah. <laughs> there aren't just a few little tricks you can do. It's almost like yeah. you have to figure out what works for you and kind of align your lifestyle around it. Sounds like yeah. creating a lifestyle that yeah. allows you to be ready, like that makes flow state available to you. It is absolutely a lifestyle. Struggle, release, flow, recover. Mm. And some people will quit in the struggle phase, not realizing you, you there is a struggle phase, and then release, meaning walk away from whatever the task is at hand, and then you come back and you will potentially get into flow at that time. Mm-hmm. And then of course you have to recover. You have to have a really great active recovery protocol. But everyone, everyone struggles, right? It's walking away, really stare at a blank wall, do some box breathing, do some you know, meditation, whatever, then mm-hmm. come back to it. Maybe a half an hour walk, um, and then get back into it. So, um, it is, it's definitely a lifestyle. Sounds deep. Yeah. It's great, but it's, the thing about it is, it's evidence-based, mm-hmm. right? So there, it's, it's a proven method, right? And as long as you put the procedures in place, mm-hmm. you will be more effective, more productive, happier, healthier, and you will achieve more. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
it's really, really interesting. You know, and it's great when you see the changes that people can make, the positive changes they can make um, to their life by taking these steps, starting with, of course, mindset and motivation. Yeah. <laughs> but when you take all those steps and you put them together, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, the changes that, you, that one can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, is, is flow geared towards one particular activity or life in general? life in general um, you will find certain things that that um, you will recognize um, you'll see these peak experiences more often mm-hmm. um, we talk about coding we talk about jazz musicians is a big one that's where Mihail Csikszentmihalyi um, discovered not discovered but he did see flow in jazz musicians um, some musicians coders um, athletes um, extreme sports athletes um, we talk about big wave surfers a lot because that's where the challenge skills balance kind of falls in. Um, mm, those ones are those ones are the ones that you will see the most in studies because it's the easiest. I'll use the word easiest to recognize or um, when people are are in the zone, mm-hmm. you know. But for me, right, everyone has their own flow activities, right? I'm interpersonal relationship guy, so I can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, oh my God, that was two hours. That was two hours. We were just talking and going, right? Um, group flow, U.S. military, right? Uh, there's a lot of flow science on the Navy SEALs, you know? Um, but if you look at combat operations, right, and it comes time to hit a target, you're not asking people where you're going, what you're doing, what they're thinking. What the, it's group flow. Mm-hmm. It's group flow. You know, you've trained enough. You've honed your skills. You've spent the time together you drop into group flow and you execute the mission and then you come back out and you recover. So that's another big area that has been studied, uh, researched, and, and has proven um, that group flow played a big part of, mm-hmm. the, of, the, uh, of the operation. Yeah, which is another reason why I love group flow. Because mm-hmm. I know that people can, mil- people from the military who are transitioning, they can relate to those experiences. Yeah. Hmm. It was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even share the details. No, no. I mean, it's there's a. I don't want to simplify. Um. I don't want people to think like, oh yeah, I just can go out on a run and drop into flow, and then I'm gonna be super creative and write a book. Like, there's (laughs) there's so much more to it than that. But I will tell people to just read flow. You know, mm-hmm. that actual book is called Flow by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, you know, or read um, The Rise of Superman, yeah. you know. Um, it's a, Those are great books, you know. Um, the Art of Impossible is, is great, too. It, it's ver- it goes very much into um, flow and mm-hmm. how to get into flow and flow science. Um, I love the book, but if you look at the other books you'll kind of get um you'll be able to relate a little more easily right off the right off the bat mm-hmm. you know yeah all right well let's talk about uh we started with workplace obsession and where it started let's start about where we are now or where you are now uh, in the organization workplace obsession all in foundation yeah yeah so i'm currently the executive director mm-hmm. of the workplace obsession all in foundation um, it's all in because um, for a lot of things uh, mental health related with the VA, uh, you have to be diagnosed as ill, injured, or wounded. 
um, but we went with all in because we want everyone to come participate in our activities, mm -hmm. um, whether they are a consumer, uh, family member, dependent, or caregiver. We want them to come participate and be around um, consumers, you know, mm -hmm. or other family members, or even civilians. Consumers of mental health resources. Yes, yes, um, or even you know people who have never served, right, or people who are mental health consumers from a non-combat related experience mm -hmm. right so we want people to be there and share these experiences to create i say to create anchor points so when you have someone who is having a bad day or a bad experience someone that's near them or someone that talks to them can bring them back to this to a shared great experience or time and have them reflect on it and hopefully um kind of just let them know that they're not alone mm -hmm. you know or let them know about the something's positive right or give them a moment of gratitude or appreciation right mm -hmm. we talk about um, i stole this from jj virgin she talks about uh her jam right she says that's my jam although it's spelled g-a-m mm -hmm. um, so gratitude in the morning appreciation during the day and miracles so what small miracles happen today it's another way i talk about vowel journaling is one thing mm -hmm. but then you also have my jam which you can incorporate that into journaling but it tells you Hey, what was what are you what are you grateful for? You know, what do you have something that you have gratitude for, right? And then who do you appreciate? Send someone a text during the day and say, hey, even if we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, I appreciate you. I appreciate that moment we had, you know, uh, paddleboarding two weeks ago, mm -hmm. right? And then what was a miracle? You know, what was something that was, no matter how small it was, it was a moment that you were happy that it happened. You know, a small moment that was a miracle. So we said that's my jam, but you create these these jams, these mm. jam sessions, you know, I, don't know, I just made that up, but oh, that people, good. that You're people can, <laughs> that people can reflect on. Mm. So that's a big part of the all in uh, foundation. And we haven't been doing much uh, during COVID because yeah. we've, we've actually shifted our support to the larger nonprofits because they have a, a broader reach. Mm -hmm. We know they're impacting more people, so we're like, "Hey, we will provide support to NAMI. We'll provide support. We'll provide support to, I don't know, Wounded Warriors, Mission mm -hmm. Twenty Two, whoever it is, so that they can reach that." So, actually, I have a, a my friend. He runs uh, Warriors Next Adventure. His name's Nick. He's going to be out here in April, April twenty uh, seventh and twenty eighth, or twenty sixth and twenty seventh. I'll have the exact details for you guys. He's doing PTSD versus Jujitsu. A, doc mm. a documentary. So he's traveling all over the U.S. shooting a documentary. And he's stopping at gyms that are uh, veteran-owned veteran and uh, have a, a large number of veterans that, that, that come through. Mm. He's going to be in Stafford, uh, Virginia, at Enlisted Nine, uh, the gym that I train under, for one day. And then he's going to be at the compound here in Silver Spring right. and do a seminar there. Um, so we're... Not, we we're trying to help Nick, you know, bring people in and mm -hmm. raise awareness for for Warriors Next Adventure, and that's where we focus right now. You know, we focus on uh, raising awareness mm -hmm. um, and just getting people uh, to resources that they may not know of. Okay, very very focused on connecting people yep. to uh, whoever's got what they need at the time, right? Yep. yep. Very nice. So that's that's one of our focuses. Yeah. Now you've done uh, different events before yep what it was so the last event we ran was actually um we did an out of darkness walk so those mm -hmm. are run by the american foundation for suicide prevention um they didn't hold an actual in-person walk this year due to COVID. 
So because that cause is so near and dear up to my heart, um, I held, we held a, a in-person walk anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, back to the All In Foundation starting up, I, I lost two friends to suicide within about 40 days of each other. Mm. Teammates, friends. And um, that was another reason why we went all in with creating the nonprofit. Before it was just something we were kind of doing on the side. And then after this, we said, hey, we have to try to make a bigger impact, a larger impact, and, and put more effort into it. So for Out of Darkness Walk, we held a full walk. Uh, Rogue Academy allowed us to use their, their location as a, as a basing station to start the walk and then to have the food and, and a little moment um, for, for discussion and, mm-hmm. and, and people to talk about their experiences and share their experiences. Um, we did the walk there. And then prior to that, um, we did another event. I, I can't remember. They're all getting muddled together now. But we did, uh, we did an art and jiu-jitsu event. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in January, right before everything shut down for COVID, yeah. which was a lot of fun. Uh, Ground Control in Columbia uh, allowed us to host from there. So we're really grateful to them for allowing us to host our event there. Uh, we did art and jujitsu and the art was inspired by what was going on mm-hmm. on the mat of jujitsu so we kind of played with that word art martial art and art together yeah uh and tino's uh tino's italian eatery or tino's bistro in colombia also donated a bunch of food mm-hmm. so special shout out to them if you're in colombia eat at tino's they have awesome food awesome <laughs> garlic knots yeah, their garlic knots are ridiculous um so they donated the food that was that was great and uh, right now we're working on a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who lives uh, on Kent Island. Um, he's got some land that he's uh, gonna use to grow fruits and vegetables. And we're gonna put together a program where like every week we invite people to come out to his, to his yard and work in the garden and just hang out with some vets. Mm-hmm. So he also has um, space there to launch paddle boards from there. So we'll get out oh, on nice. the water too. So we're working on that. Um, we're working on the Warriors Next Adventure thing that's coming up. And we're also working on a mobility workshop in June. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna do about a two hour joint mobility, flexibility kind of workshop that'll be free um, to veterans, uh, spouses, caregivers, dependents, anyone who, who wants to attend. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we're heavy into planning right now. We're anticipating um, people coming out, you know, post-ish COVID. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Hopefully the summer uh, vaccine goes well in the warm weather gets people back out and about yeah for sure for sure um, so you uh recently did the the four by four by 48 yes um, yeah tell us about that that looked terrible that was great it sounded terrible um you know i got a lot of i got a lot of people asking why would you do that that's ridiculous uh, so four by four by 48 david goggins challenge um was great. Actually, you were the one who who called me and was like, "Hey, man, you should do this." As a joke. And when you it said to me, I was like, joke. "Okay, I'm gonna do it." And I I had done about, I don't know, maybe two or two miles of running or something like that. Now, to be to be transparent, I was training for a 40 mile uh, road march, mm-hmm. right? So, and it just so happened that the four by four by 48 was the weekend after the 40 mile road march. So I had been road marching. We had gone hiking a couple times. Mm-hmm. So. My feet felt pretty good, you know, and I had a pretty good baseline from jujitsu. So I was like, when you sent it to me, I was like, yeah, sure, I can do this. So then I started running. I started to do mini four by four by 48. So I would do uh, 12 hours. I did one 24 hour, you know, and I Mm -hmm. would do I would do a lot of eight hours. So four hours 
then rest for four hours and do another four hours. So I was doing a lot of those. Um, and I worked with a nutritionist. Uh, she helped me um, dial down, what, uh, kind of figure out what food I would need in between legs. You know, we played with some things before to figure out what I definitely shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Fresh fruit was one of those things. You shouldn't eat fresh fruit? I, I could not do fresh fruit. Once again, personality does not scale. But for me, I could not do fresh fruit. It upset my stomach in that okay. four-hour window. Now, I could do ramen noodles. Ramen noodles was awesome mm-hmm. for me. Chocolate chip cookies, pizza, applesauce, uh, fig bars. Like, we, we worked all that out. So, um, shout out to Julia Bell, my uh, nutritionist, my uh, <laughs> performance nutritionist. Um, she was awesome. Um, and so, the event, I thought my knees uh, would bother me because mm-hmm. I've knee, had knee surgeries in the past. I was worried about uh, my back being sore, so I stopped any deadlifting uh, about three months prior. Oh wow! I mean, sorry, three weeks, okay. not three months. Three three weeks prior. Um, no, I stopped deadlifting and squatting three weeks prior because mm-hmm. I didn't want to put any of that kind of stress on my body. Um, and I just focused on uh, beach muscles, just because that's fun, and <laughs> and more running. So. I felt really good going into it. Mm-hmm. Now, I did the 40-mile road march. I, what I ended up doing was walking 20 miles, and then the second 20 miles, I ran a half mile, walked a half mile, mm-hmm. off and on. I got a blister on my right heel from that road march, and it was my own fault. I was supposed to change my socks every 10 miles. Mm-hmm. I think I got into flow. I don't know whether or not I did, but I completely blew through that first 10 miles without changing my socks. Oh. At 18 miles, it hit me that I should have changed my socks. Mm-hmm. But I was at 18 miles. You're going to finish. So I was like, I'm just going to go the last two miles, which probably was wrong answer number two for mm-hmm. that day. But anyway, so I got a blister from that. I was really worried that I, that wouldn't recover over a week, but it did, luckily. Um, Four by 48, man, I had a couple people come out during the day and, mm-hmm. and run with me, which was awesome. Um, that Those were great pick-me-ups, but Sunday morning, 7 a.m. run, was 21 degrees outside. Mm. I got up, I got an hour of sleep. I stood in the mirror and I was like, if I don't do this, no one will know. No one will know that I didn't do it. Yeah, right. And I was like, I could get back in bed and get me four more hours of sleep. And I, I seriously thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I'll know. I'll know that I skipped this forever. You know, anytime someone brings up four by four by forty-eight, I'll know that I that I cheated. You know, mm-hmm. I cheated in a loose sense of the word. I mean, I could have done push-ups and said that's what I did. You know, so I went out and did it. Um, little did I know that that would be the last good run, the last unbroken four-mile run that I would have <laughs> for the event. Um, that was seven. Eleven o'clock. I had someone, Carlos, uh, came out and ran with me, and. Uh, Man, my feet. I mean, not Carlos. Alex. Sorry. Alex came out and ran with me. Sorry, Alex. Um, my feet completely just gave out at about three and a half miles. Like the soft tissue. The soft tissue on the outside of both feet were just like, you're not going anymore, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was extremely painful. So I walk ran that last half a mile, and I still had two more four-mile legs to go. My plan was all the day runs would be outside. Yeah. But that wasn't going to happen for that last three o'clock. I had to go inside to a treadmill and walk, walk, run it, mm-hmm. and use a lot of uh, massagers, rollers, and things like that. Um, and the last seven o'clock was was not too bad because mentally I was like, I'm done. Mentally I'm like, I got this, you know. Mm. 
Um, to me, that was really the only the only struggle that I had. You know, I would do it again. I would definitely uh, have two pairs of sneakers and switch those out oh, yeah. uh, every every run. And I wouldn't do forty miles the week prior. Right. Probably not. The best but yeah, my, my feet weren't really my feet weren't weren't ready. I hadn't recovered. Mm-hmm. You know, so great event. They raised like they raised a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the amount was, but they raised a lot of money um, for mental health uh, programs. And the deal was, you know, it, it you know it doesn't matter what someone looks like on the outside. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't. You never can tell what they're dealing with inside, mm. you know. And this challenge wasn't necessarily a physical challenge. It was a mental challenge, man. It was a grind to, like, wake up at one thirty in the morning or 2 in the morning after a half an hour of sleep or 40 minutes of sleep and say, shit, I got to do this again. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had the time to train for it, it wasn't a physical challenge, right? Because your body's trained and you're, you've built up calluses and things like that. And like, obviously, if you jumped into it at the last minute, it's going to be a significant physical yeah. challenge. <laughs> but the first 30 hours was like, meh. Mm. Like four miles. Like, yeah. You're like, yeah, this is... You could walk four miles, you know? And mm. you'd still have time to get a little bit of sleep. Um, but that mental, man, was like... But it was fun. I'd do it again. Mm. For sure. Next year? Yeah, I'd do it next year. The intent this year, actually, COVID kind of slowed things down. The intent, I wanted to host a base camp. Mm. This is my intent for next year. Host a base camp. The base camp's got cots. It's got food. It's got foam rollers. Maybe we have some massage therapists donate some time to come in. Um, All that's at base camp. And then we all go out and run together. Mm. You know, I mapped out a... uh, uh, two mile out and back from well four mile out and back two mile course from rogue academy which is where we're going to host us for a base camp and i ran that during the days yeah and it was a nice a nice run and that was the intent to do a base camp there go out do the run and come back mm, yeah that's a good idea and i would love to do that next year but covid kind of shut that down yeah know? yeah why do you uh why do you think people have why People have to challenge themselves like that. What, you know, because you didn't have to do that. Yeah. And, and we don't have to do some of the things we do that are just terrible. I mean, they're probably not even good for us, like physically. Yeah. What do you think motivates people to, you know, now you're talking about doing a 100 mile race, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, why? I definitely want to do one. That's um, probably not healthy in the long run. I like the idea of taking yourself to a dark place, you know. Um, when you, especially a hundred mile run and you're out there and you're questioning why am I out here, mm-hmm. you have plenty of time to question a lot of other things too. Um, I have a lot of things that, that are in my, in my personal life, right? Where I made, uh, questionable decisions. I made bad decisions. Um, and it gives you time to think about these things, you know, and to be grateful for, for what you have, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really getting, it's internalizing, man. It's like taking a look at yourself deep down at the core, you know, am I a quitter? You know, when shit gets hard, how do I react to that? Can I get comfortable being uncomfortable? As Dave Goggins says, Mm -hmm. can you get uncomfortable or can you get comfortable being uncomfortable? Like, you know, ask yourself these questions. And then I, some of the things are, Hey, I want to relate to people, right? You can't have a true conversation with someone until you understand their experiences and their expectations, mm-hmm. right? 
Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. Another great book, by the way. Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. I think it's, I can't remember the author off the top of my head. But the more we experience things, the more people we can connect with, mm-hmm. right? And if I can only connect with people from jujitsu, then my ability to connect goes from this big circle to this smaller circle. Yeah. Right? Um, and I'm trying to connect with as many people as possible. So I'm like, shared experiences, mm-hmm. you know, when you say, oh, yeah, I've been in the marathoning world. I've been in the ultra marathoning world. I've been in the jujitsu world. I've been in the surfing world. Like, think about how many people now that you can relate to. Yeah. You know, and yoga, and you're trying these things. And then we go back to what we talked about earlier, curiosity, right? Playing with these curiosities. Um, and that's how we grow. You know, but I, I did it originally. When you said it, I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And I was like, oh, this is dumb. Why would I want to do this? But then I was like, let me challenge myself, man. You know? Yeah. I I mean, you know, uh, we certainly hang out in circles that push ourselves to do things that most people wouldn't even consider. You know, if I sometimes at work, I'll talk about what I did for jujitsu or mm-hmm. what I did for fitness. Or, and they're like, why? Why would you do that? I would never do that. I would just not do that. Yeah. You know, even my wife. And it's like, there's just something that pulls me in I want to know I want to yeah. see how bad it sucks for some reason and just get through it yep no you, you, we talked about this before um, with jujitsu right I, there was a point in the nonprofit arena where I thought uh, jujitsu would save the world right I thought if I could just expose more people to jujitsu like that was my thing that was my my massively transformative purpose right that's another that's so massively transformative purpose is a, is a goal. It's an infinite goal, mm-hmm. a goal that's so audacious that you'd never get there, but it's your North Star. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was a time where my massively transformative purpose was to expose everyone to jujitsu and change everyone's life with the beauty of jujitsu. Yeah. But then I realized jujitsu is not for everybody, man. Mm-hmm. Like there's we're weird. Right, people that I, I when I turn around, I say, if you enjoy jujitsu and you do it three or four times a week or even twice a week, I was like, you are a strange individual. Yeah, like, and I mean that in the best sense of of the word strange. You know, like not like not as a negative, right, so to speak. And when you look at once again veterans, right, if you're talking about people that are dealing with seventy, eighty, ninety percent disability mm-hmm. rating. It's very difficult to convince them that jujitsu is going to change their life and make it better. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that was one of the reasons why I said, "Hey, I have to ex- broaden my 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 horizons or my um, areas that I'm interested in because I can't reach everyone through jujitsu, no matter how great I think it is." Because you're right, it's hard, man. It's, yeah, it takes a special person to to do it, and an even even more special if you want to say it that way these people that dedicate their lives to it master the craft yeah right how does that compare sorry this is going to be a big shift but i wanted to talk about this because you do you're into combatives right Mm -hmm. yeah so you know a lot of people want to do Mm jujitsu oh for Mm self-defense uh but there are you know critical i mean how does it compare to combatives is is jujitsu the the jujitsu that we see in most academies how does that How's that for self-defense? 
Wow, that's like a hot button topic, it's right? A, that's I know. Like a, that's like a. I don't want. I know you were talking about the division in jujitsu, but so I will take. So when we go into combatives in the modern army combatives program, the willingness to close with the enemy, the willingness to close with the enemy, mm-hmm. you cannot train for self-defense and not include the willingness to close with the enemy. I will take that from combatives all day. Distance, that. range management, um, to be able to work from the clinch, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, modified seatbelt position, double unders, rear control, rear clinch, whatever you want to call it. But the willingness to close with the enemy when they're attacking, mm-hmm. right? And um, that, the way they train that in the modern army combatives program and the emphasis on the willingness to close with the enemy. I don't see that in traditional jujitsu mm-hmm. because you grab a gi collar, you know, and you're pulling and pulling, you're doing judo. That's, it's not the same. So that for one, for self-defense is huge for modern army combatives program. Mm-hmm. One thing that I love about jujitsu, I absolutely love, and I will give the biggest shout out to, uh, the Gracie system is punch block defense, mm-hmm. punch block defense. I don't know if they created it, but that's where I first saw it. The system and the way they teach punch block defense is to me the greatest thing that has come out of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. This is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I will teach that all day. And I love to see it when people have a command of punch block defense. Mm-hmm. Whether it's getting back to their feet or whether it's finishing the fight from that position, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But those two components, closing the distance with the enemy on the feet and punch block defense on the ground, when you put both of those into a program, you've got a really good program. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's my that's my personal opinion. You know, unfortunately, most places will have one and <laughs> one and not the other. Yeah. Or some won't have either. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Um, to me, a solid program will have both of those things mm-hmm. because I don't want to go into spear system uh, because that is, shout out to Tony Blauer, uh, to me that is violent encounters, different conversation from we're separating violent encounters, right, uh, from a fight. We're talking about a fight. When I say a fight, I'm talking about predetermined time, predetermined location, vice a violent encounter where you don't know it's coming, it's mm-hmm. unexpected, and it's property, body, or life. Once mm-hmm. again, shout out to Tony Blauer and the Spear System, who, unbelievable, the science, the research, the evidence-based information on the, fear, on the Spear System, they're two completely different things, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you're talking about a violent encounter, property, body, or life, the bad guy decides the place, the time, and the duration, it's totally different training, um, and 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 that's a whole different subject for another podcast. But I'm very passionate about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying uh, the willingness, the punch block defense is better for when you get the like a chosen fight, like yeah. if you're a sanctioned that's, fight. If we're talking, will. we're talking, we're talking antisocial behavior, right? So as an adult and as an executive and as a professional, if it's antisocial behavior, I have the opportunity to walk away. If mm-hmm. I spill the beer on your lap and things start to escalate from there, I have the opportunity to walk away, mm-hmm. right? 
if I um, bumped into your car by accident and you get out of your car and you're acting like a madman, I have the opportunity to walk away, mm -hmm. right? That, if push does come to shove, I need to have the willingness to close with the enemy yeah. <laughs> at that time. But as a professional, as an executive, as an adult, I have the gap between stimulus and response to walk away. Mm -hmm. I separate that from an asocial individual that uh, I'm walking down, terrible example, walking down a dark alley because I wouldn't walk down a dark alley because I have situational awareness. But if you chose to walk down a dark alley mm -hmm. and somebody jumps out and attacks you right then and there, yeah, that is completely different because there's no closing with the enemy. The enemy is already on you. Yeah. You know, then it's property, body, or life. And when push comes to shove, you be your own bodyguard. You mm -hmm. know? When violence is the answer, it's the only answer. That's another Tony Blowerism. Is it? Yeah. Mm. I got a book of them. <laughs> you have a lot of uh, little sayings. I love sayings. I'm big on sayings. I don't write them down like you, but I yeah. do uh, I appreciate the one. Yeah, that's always just a big topic, you know, and certainly as a blue or a purple belt with five years in, I, I start to see, like, why am I grabbing these sleeves? Like, you know, what's how practical is this yeah uh if there were a violent encounter you, you know? have to separate it you yeah. know and in reality you have to separate it right we can't train for all things at all times yeah and that's reality right and you have a choice you know it's like hey if i'm if i'm more concerned with uh being a bodyguard if i want to just use that term then i'm going to take class x mm -hmm. if i want to train to be a competitor then I'm going to take class X or Y. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it comes down to it where we have to make a choice, mm -hmm. right? And um, marketing plays a big part, right? Business world is, is, is very influential where unfortunately some places will say we, we offer everything, um, but you, they really don't, yeah. you know? So you have to kind of pick and choose what you want. You know, and there may be a time where you want to be a competitive athlete, so you take that route. And then you're like, you know what? I just want to focus on self-defense, so I'm going to go to a different place. Yeah. You know, so it, it all comes down to choice. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, man. Well, I have one more thing I want to talk to you about and maybe give you a little chance for a plug here. You have a new podcast. Yes. Why don't you tell us about that? So that is uh, Escape Velocity Podcast. Um, I just started. So all the podcast episodes are uh, 10 minutes or less. They will mm -hmm. be 10 minutes or less. Um, they're all designed to get you thinking about uh, peak performance, um, whether it's um, bringing up a book to read or a quote or some tips for performance. You can call them performance hacks if you want. We don't believe in the world of hacks. Uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, another one of my <laughs> big fans. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, you can hack your body. You can hack your mind. You can hack your craft. You know, he's, he's great. He does a Compete to Create podcast. I'll give him a plug. Um, so 10 minutes or less. And I just really want to get people thinking and create conversation Yeah. You know about a topic, um, about something that people maybe haven't thought about. And I, the intent is that it's on something that is um, evidence-based mm -hmm. or already being discussed somewhere. Because like we say, personality doesn't scale. So it won't be, hey, this worked for me and I did this. Like, that's great. But it's 
personality doesn't scale. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be, they're short little things, and it's just something to get you thinking, maybe have you pick up a book, maybe have you call a friend and say, hey, do you ever think about this, or really have a discussion. So. Yeah, I liked it. It was uh, it was quick. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to commit to, like, this podcast is, like, going to be, going to be a little over an hour, so <laughs> I'm going to lose people in the first three minutes, you know, like, this is too long, but, you know, I listened to yours, and it's like, it was deep, it made me think, and it was... You know, the first one was five and the second one was eight minutes. So yeah. it's just, it was perfect. Like a nice little snack. Yeah. You know? No, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to do more of that. I, I'm hoping like to get someone on, like let them do just an entire episode, right? Because it's less than 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and just have them come on and talk about not something that's worked for them because that goes back to personality, you know, but something that they learned or mm-hmm. something that um, they read in a book or, you know, I'm really digging into right now. Um, questioning attitude mm-hmm. so i'm looking at doing a podcast on uh, an episode on questioning attitude which is it's really big in the navy i just actually learned this like two weeks ago from a friend um she's a naval officer she was uh, worked on uh nuclear submarines and they talk about having a questioning attitude because uh, the risk is so high for for accidents right uh, if there mm-hmm. were an accident the, the the stakes and then you have you know the ever given that runs aground in the suez canal oh yeah and you're like Okay, was it high winds, like they say, or did the crew not have a questioning attitude? Like they weren't willing to question right. the commanding officer? Questioning as a group, yeah. right? It doesn't have to necessarily only be him, but it can be as a collective, right? Because yeah. we know, like, yeah, the onus falls on that guy, but it's probably trickled down to another level somewhere mm-hmm. of something else that someone else is doing that could have been questioned by someone else, right? Even if we look at a lot of moral injuries, Right. And I'm speaking from experience here, being completely transparent. Uh, someone probably could have stepped in somewhere mm-hmm. with a questioning attitude and and really questioned you on it, you know, or um, and it may have prevented that. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. accidents, a lot of negligent activities could have been questioned if there was safety in that environment. Yeah. Um, if there was trust. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking at doing a, an episode on questioning attitude and how that could potentially prevent um, accidents or poor decisions like the last episode. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's uh, that's encouraged in the healthcare community as well. You know, especially uh, in our ICU, we work as part of a team. And every morning I discuss my patient with a team of doctors mm-hmm. and each, you know, several level, different levels of experience and expertise. And that is something we do, you know, and it's it's my job as a nurse to well, hey, won't this do this? Or aren't we going to take the patient down this road when that's mm-hmm. not what we're trying to do? And it's just... That's great. And hopefully ego doesn't get in the way, and yep. it typically doesn't, but, you know. That's great. I, I, um, I'm i reminded of the, the Challenger disaster, you know, where the team at, at the time, you know, they didn't really support a questioning attitude because it's like, hey, we've done so many things mm-hmm. to get this close to launch, this many man hours, this much time, man hours, this much money, all this... Like, all these things, but people saw that there was a potential for disaster, mm-hmm. but no one wanted to speak up because they didn't want to take the risk because they didn't have the safety, the safety, we call it a safe environment, right? Culture of safety. Yeah. And it's like, if you had had a questioning attitude there, you could have potentially prevented this disaster that caused lives, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So... I, 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 we had a discussion on it the other day, and I was like, wow, I really want to read up more on that. So uh, I've been doing that. And then, of course, we had the Ever Given. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> great time. <laughs> what a mess. Questioning attitude. So, 
Alrighty, man. Well, unless you have anything else, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. Nah, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it, it's cool. It's always fun to sit down and talk, you know, uh, when we can. And even better to to get on the podcast. So uh, hopefully, I didn't ramble on too much. Hopefully, people can take some. some the podcast is about rambling on. That's what I want. <laughs> some kind of nugget from this discussion, or, or maybe a book they'll pick up and read, or. Uh, something that they call me back and say, "Hey, you were wrong about this because that's discussion." So that's that's the whole intent, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm an expert by by no means. So, so if people want to get in touch with you or if they want to look at some of the events you have, can you? I know you have like a slew of social media and websites. Yeah, you're really doing a lot right now. Yeah, Do you just want to go ahead and list those off for us. So, I guess to, to keep it easy, uh, Workplay Obsession on Instagram, uh, really busy on there, and WorkplayObsession.com. So the website, so those those two are a great start. And then uh, escape velocity 11.186 on Instagram. What's the 11.186? I wanna that ask is that. is escape velocity. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, why does he have all these numbers here? What is the meaning? And you know, I Googled it today. I wanted to find your website and I was like, I found some like formulas. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't, all the other escape velocities were taken, you know, by people that just, take the, the names and the yeah. domains just so they could charge you money for them. So I went with actual uh, 11.186 Escape Velocity. Um, so on Instagram, and then escapevelocityacademy.com mm-hmm. is the website. Um, so those are the two Those are the two big ones. Um, yeah, to keep out all the other mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. I have fun with it, though, so that's cool. Alrighty, man. Well, it's been good talking to you. No, it was fun. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All righty. Bye-bye. Later.